Well, Christos, uh, where do we start? Um, after you're done designing the new police car for the city of Toronto, you can head on over to highparkzoo.ca and name one of the three baby capaberries. Yay! Uh, you know, their mother's name, mother and father, Bonnie and Clyde. They made that daring escape. So now they're asking you to name the uh, the kids. Name the kids. Houdini would be one of them if he's going to follow in the footsteps of his escape art art uh, artist parents. I'm just throwing that out there. Well done. Um, speaking of cars, you might be hearing this a lot more on the roads of the city streets of Toronto soon. The shoots is cars! Oh! What for one? That is going wild. <laughs> car! I think this Saturday is uh, Earth Day, and the City of Toronto is launching a pilot initiative Thursday that allows uh, neighborhoods to get permit a permit to transform residential streets into playing fields for children. What could possibly go wrong? Cars and kids. Wow. A street play is a pilot project, and it's part of a response to a controversial bylaw forbidding street uh, encroachment and play by kids. So you, they want to, you know, the kids want to get outside and play. Yeah, right. These kids want to play outside. Uh, leaving, they're saying that if you leave hockey nets or base basketball hoops on the side of the road, it could result in a ninety dollar fine. Why? Because it's hideous. Let me just say, look, and I'm not, I'm not grumpy here. It's Sounds just like grumpy. there are basketball nets in the city of Toronto at schoolyards mm-hmm. and at parks for your kids to go and play in. But you know, when we're talking about tiny streets yeah. where people have to park their cars because they don't have parking. How do you work that out? I mean, what about a cul-de-sac? Yeah, but there's not a lot of cul-de-sacs in the city of Toronto. So throwing that out there. Depends on where you're going. Anyhow, you like that bylaw? I do. I, okay. I think hey, anything that gets kids grouch. out there playing more often, and in the, in this day and age of sort of the hyper helicopter parents, you know parents aren't going to let their kids go to a park to play by themselves. So if if the only way to get them outside is to get Listen, them onto the street, then I think it's okay. We didn't go to parks to play by ourselves. We went to parks in packs. Kids have to play in mm-hmm. packs. I, I and, mean, and I, I agree with you, but knowing what I know about parents is they don't want their kid to be the one, the the first one that goes out. You know what? I wonder, we were talking about how gender stereotypes uh, and gender roles, the ones the millennials are now embracing, you know, the the men go out and are the breadwinners Mm -hmm. and the women stay home and raise the kids. I could see maybe the pendulum swinging and once again you're playing in a ravine if there's any left that we used to play in when we were kids. Run wild, young kids! Absolutely. Hey, Ikea wants to serve you Swedish meatballs in standalone restaurants. (laughs) They are looking at uh, opening up these restaurants. You laugh now. Yeah. But these are super affordable. When you think about uh, those cafeterias in Ikea, you can get a a platter of uh, hot Swedish meatballs for five bucks. And you try and replicate. I don't know how they make those meatballs, but even Swedish meatball recipes online. I've never seen one that looks or tastes the same as the Swedish meatballs at Ikea. And uh, I played a kid's pasta or chicken tenders, less than $3. And they want to do standalone restaurants. Yeah, they do. And you know what? I think they're going to succeed in this. Why? Because let me just pull up my notes that I wrote earlier on today about this. Um, Interior designer Isla Crawford, she is working with, um, with IKEA to redesign their cafeteria spaces. So it's actually a space that you want to be in. There are 48 countries around the world with IKEA restaurants. And the, they're inside IKEA stores. So you just imagine the appetite for those. They're very busy. 640 million people each year eat at IKEA. If you want more details on uh, on on this, I highly recommend. Here's my Netflix oh. documentary recommendation. Abstract, The Art of Design. Check out the uh, Ilsa Crawford 
one, and it's fascinating. And I think they'll make a huge success of this. Speaking of other... Um, I don't think it'll be successful. Can I, before be. you Why? move on, can I say? Yes. Because their whole business model is a, is selling you low-cost food to keep you in their furniture store. The margins go up when all you're doing is selling the crappy meatballs. But they're finding that that's not keeping people in the stores. People are going there for the restaurant. I know people that had kids that would go to Ikea to go and feed them in that restaurant. I kid you not. They, I had a friend who called it the mom store when she was a kid because she could take the kid in and, uh, you know, entertain them for a couple hours. Here, let's walk around weird, this but... maze for a while and check yeah. out the closets. Uh, Hooters is expanding into Asia, and they're going to do this by opening family-friendly restaurants. They're opening uh, 30 new locations in uh, Asia, and of course, they'd be going for a family-friendly theme because, let's face it, you know, Jakarta. There's a lot of um, Muslims there that are not would not look kindly on the fact that these women are almost wearing nothing while they serve you chicken wings. Uh, so, the Jakarta outlet, for example, uh, the company is working on a new uniform that features longer skirts, higher necklines, and thicker stockings. Uh, begging the question, they wear stockings at Hooters. Yeah, I think they do wear stockings. I've never actually been to a Hooter, so I'm not Neither sure. Neither have I. I've just looked in the window and thought, really? The wings are good in there? Apparently they are. The outlets uh, will have halal meat, and there'll be a section for kids, and the restaurant will be ducked out, decked out with high chairs and booster seats. It's a family-friendly Hooters, and it's not coming anywhere near you in this fair <laughs> listening audience. Um, this is one of the most challenging roles I would assume, to step into Will Smith getting ready to play this guy in a live-action film. Say, you're a lot smaller than my last master. Either that or I'm getting bigger. Look at me from the side. Do I look different to you? Wait, wait a minute. Yeah, Aladdin. He's He's going to step into the genie role. Crazy. Yeah. You know what's even crazier? Guy Ritchie is going to be directing it. Guy Ritchie. As in Snatch and, and Lock, Stock, Stock and, and Two Smoking you Barrels? Got it. Come on. I know. It's going to be bizarre. Anyhow, um, Will Smith was previously in talks with Tim Burton about a live-action Dumbo movie, but, you know, this is far more attractive <laughs> than playing Dumbo. I mean, you think about how uh, where you could take this Robin Williams character... It would be frightening. It, it would, would be, be quite a challenge for an actor. It could be interesting. And it would, uh, Will Smith has that comedic range, but he hasn't been using it because he's been chasing an Oscar for the last decade. Yeah, give up on the Oscar. Yeah. I once heard that he's the most bankable star in Hollywood, Will Smith, that everybody likes him. I could see Until that. Until After Earth. Oh, I didn't see After Earth. Neither did I, but I hear it's terrible. Oh, really? Interesting. Uh, I wonder how he'll do with the ad-libbing, though, because I understand that uh, they had reams and reams and reams of tape with Robin Williams Appar- just yeah. going off script. Apparently there's enough uh, of tape of Robin Williams doing that genie character that they could make another Aladdin movie and plug in that content. Uh, but I think there's some kind of time frame on that. They're not allowed to touch it yet. Interesting. All right. This is from the Where Are They Now file. I was thinking about her the other day. Remember Helen Hunt? Helen Hunt used to be uh, Mad on... Mad About You. Yeah, Mad About You with Paul Reiser. What the heck's going on with Paul Reiser these days, too? <laughs> well, now I'm going to have to do did some anyone, research for tomorrow's show. Did anyone ever watch Mad About You? I guess it was a hit. I loved that show. Really? With oh. Murray the dog. I think their dog's name was Murray. It was great. Anyhow, um, she was in Twister. She was also... Uh, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her 1997 film, As Good As It Gets. How old do you feel now when you think about the fact <laughs> it's 2017 and that, that movie... Was from uh, 1997, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Nicholson was I'll tell you where Helen Hunt is now. She's diversified. 
And she is, she's been directing. She's been helming episodes of shows like Californication, House of Lies, Life in Pieces, and This Is Us. Her latest is uh, working on the FX series Feud, Betty and Joan. Here's one of the stars of that, Susan Sarandon. They slept with a lot of the same guys. They had different styles. There were there were problems. And then it really culminated in the Academy Awards when Betty Davis was nominated and Joan wasn't. And so Joan, with the help of Hedda Hopper, got on the phone and kind of told everybody how horrible Betty had been, that she'd kicked her in the head during film. You know, stuff that was a little exaggerated. And to take it even a step further, Joan Crawford then called all of the other nominated actresses beyond De- Betty Davis, who she could not stand, and said, you know, if you're not available to collect your Oscar, I'm going to be there anyways. I can collect it for you. So I have I can't remember who won one year that year, but it, it worked and it wasn't Betty Davis. So Joan Crawford strolls onto the stage, picks up the Oscar and basically sticks it. To Betty Davis. It's a fascinating show. I really like it. But I mean, I, the husband couldn't, can't stand it. So I don't know. Maybe it's a girly thing.